It's a song I wrote for no one, and no one's gonna hear. 'Cause I'd sooner die than sing it. There ain't nobody here. Followed her from Brooklyn, from Brooklyn's where she ran, breaking hearts, stealing cars. Smoking cigarettes. Well, she's pretty and she's skinny, and she hasn't got a clue that I'd be staring at her coffee as the cup begins to cool. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast. Dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. I've got my brother Travis with me as always, and we are continuing into our distortion-free November. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. I think that's going to hold true for the the next two artists we got planned. Uh, yeah, I hope so. We we got to take a breather after. After you just shoved metal down our throats for a month straight. I think um, what you meant to say is shoved metal up your ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. If we're going to, you know. Yeah, right up, right up the keys. If we're going to do a callback to Metallica. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was the name that they intended for Kill 'Em All to be to be called until until the American markets were um, probably not going to like a name like that. I'm sure you had that planned as a question on your metal pop quiz. So I would, I would have missed that one too, dude. So this one's going to be short and sweet. I don't have that much information on this band. Um, this is a band called Neva De Nova. You remember our, our dear friend, Larry, we had him on, on our podcast to cover Nick Drake. You know, what's funny. The intro song that you played, I was actually kind of reminded of Larry Loge's vocals a little bit. Do you think he was influenced by them? It's possible, dude. Yeah. I, I, yeah. He was the one who showed me these guys. Um, and the song in our intro was called Brooklyn, which was on their debut album, uh, which was uh, self-titled. It came out in 2002. So, it's around the same time period as you know when Coldplay kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the kind of music that was that was you know that indie bands were making back then. Like this was kind of this was it. You know this was that yeah. what, what do they call it? The whole like you know quiet is the new loud movement. Yeah, I think this would be in line with that. It's not that not necessarily in the same spirit as what Kings of Convenience were doing, but that that same idea. You know. Softer rock music. So the thing about these guys, um, well, the main, the main, uh, the main guy, his name's Jake Bellows, and according to an interview that came out in, I believe, two thousand three, yeah, um, he had already been performing as Neva Denova for eleven years. Wow! Before their first album got released uh, on a major label. And from what I gather, it's kind of one of those things where he just kind of, he was almost purposely kind of steering away from from the spotlight. Um, he liked to release his own things. Um, he really didn't have any like ambitions to to take this 
you know, to, to like go on tour and like just blow up. He just, that's just not something he wanted to do. He's very connected to the music scene and like the community where he started the band, which is in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I thought that was interesting that, and, and that's crazy to think about being in a band for 11 years before you get your first quote unquote major, uh, you know, record label release. A lot of his music is very melancholy and sad. A lot of the lyrics are honestly pretty depressing, at least under Neva Genova. Um, let's see. The last full-length album that Neva Genova released was in um, 2013, which was called New Ocean. Since then, he's stepped away from that, and he's doing kind of a, his solo doing a doing a solo thing now um and he's kind of realizing like he's looking back at uh hang on let me see he says looking back i noticed that much of my older music was referencing the sadness and the pain that exists in the world i felt like that was the opposite effect that i wanted to have so i took some responsibility for my actions and decided i wanted to change i want to help make the world into a nicer place to be interesting um yeah his his Solo stuff is a lot more um, positive and pessimist and, and optimistic. Hmm. Um, and any like, there's there's one interview that I that I found with this guy that honestly isn't worth like sharing for for this episode. But he just seems like a super down to earth guy. Um, you know, really humble and and all that stuff. He doesn't seem. I don't know, dude. You know, you know. There's a lot of singer songwriters that are kind of up there on butts, dude. Yeah, he he seems kind of like the opposite of that. That's cool. Um, yeah. So, anyways, there's not a lot out there on the internets with this band. Well, I was gonna say, if you go 11 years, um, just kind of grinding, you know, doing your own thing and like just making music, having not been picked up by a major label, I feel like that says that you're you're not in it for the fame and and like the 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 notoriety otherwise you would have given up already you know because you know yeah if you're doing it for 11 years straight like you're 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 doing it because you love making music you know yeah um there was a actually i'll I'll post this a link to this video in our show notes so there's this thing called uh the lilac sessions where they post a high quality video of a concert and this is local to omaha omaha nebraska and they kind of splice in segments of of interview clips with the artist that they're that they're covering. And Jake Bellows performs, uh, you know, at a local like tiny little bar in Omaha. And one thing he likes about touring is he likes the idea of being able to share his message, you know, or like just being able to spread good vibes to as many people as he can across the country. Like that's. That's how he thinks about touring. So it's not it's not about you know selling records or whatever. I mean, I don't think any band would say straight up, "Oh, dude, I'm just touring for the you know to sell records." But you know, like it's just it, when you listen to this guy, um, like I said, he just seems like a super chill, normal ass dude. You know, super humble. And anyways, this is just a, a super nostalgic band for me. You know, and and I kind of felt like it, like his his voice kind of reminds me of um, Chris Martin. And it came out around the same time. That's honestly the only reason that I picked 
Neva Denova to be a sidetrack for Coldplay because like there's nothing else really tying them to Coldplay. Um, but I wanted to share one of my favorite songs from Neva Denova that came out on their 2005 album, The Hate Yourself Change. And we're just going to play the whole song because why the fuck not? This is a song called She Can't Change.
a great song, man. It's got such a good vibe to it, you know? Yeah. I'm a sucker for those harmonies, dude. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, like, he kind of um, goes back and forth with himself. You know, like, he, yeah. he'll start singing at the end of, you know, a phrase that he just said. Yeah. Sort of overlapping, almost delay, you know, to yeah. his vocals. But yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of, like, the same kind of feeling that a lot of rem music kind of conveys that kind of like really yeah a little I bit never thought rem but you're you're a much bigger rem fan than i am i mean i'm not saying that he sounds like like uh michael stipe or anything like that i'm just saying like it it uh it's got that same vibe as like that that 90s rock era mm-hmm. at least that song um, yeah, but this just came out in 2002. You said no. This came out in 2005. This was on. Um, this wasn't on their debut record, which is uh, the the song that we introed in uh, was from their self titled debut from 2002. This is on an album called "The Hate Yourself Change," which came out in 2005. And also, one thing I wanted to point out in between this album and their debut, they released a record called "One Jug of Wine." Two Vessels, which came out in 2004, and it was a collaborative effort with Bright Eyes. Mm. Basically, it was Connor Oberst, which is, he's the the main dude, the singer-songwriter for for Bright Eyes. So, they're all good friends now. Connor Oberst, who I believe is also hails from Omaha, uh, had heard Neva DeNova before and was super into them. And from what I've read, it's kind of like... Uh, Connor brought Neva DeNova in with him to record this album, just helping out friends because he felt like they needed to be heard. And yeah, so so since then they've been they've been released on Saddle Creek Records. You've heard of that record label, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Bright Eyes. I know um, Rilo Kylie, which is Ginny Lewis's band. Yep. They were on Saddle Creek. They were all kind of super close knit. This is, it's what I've gathered from, from that like collective, um, you know, they all kind of show up on each other's records. I know that Jake Bellows was pretty, um, he, he contributed heavy, heavily to uh bright eyes album called Casa Dega, which came out in 2007. So anyways, they're, you know, they're all like really close knit. So I feel like that's kind of what got the put Neva to Nova on the map. Um, or at least, you know, made them a little bit more well-known like in in the like indie world you know of music was that bump from connor oberst anyways that's all i've got for neva de nova um and i think we should dive into some what your hurts dude we got time let's do it oh we got nothing but time we got nothing but time dude yeah so hey real quick dude before we get into our what your hurts let's take a quick break And we're back, and uh, you want to start us off this time, dude? Yeah, let me start. Let me start us off here. So, um, I watched this great documentary on Netflix that I highly recommend to anyone uh, who is a music lover. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're a music lover. So, um, it's called Echo in the Canyon, and it is a documentary about music from... Um, 
from this area in California called Laurel Canyon, which is where uh, bands like Crosby, Stills, and Nash came up. Beach Boys came up in Laurel Canyon. Mamas so wait, the like they, they started out and were like residing in Laurel Canyon? Basically, yeah. It's this it's this um it's this neighborhood in, in okay. Los Angeles called Laurel Canyon, where uh, I'm just gonna list off some of the names here. The Birds, the Beach Boys, Buffalo Springfield, Mamas and the Papas. They all sort of started uh in this area. Or like the, you know, it was kind of like uh, Greenwich Village, right? I was about to say, like this sounds like almost the, this sounds like the same bands that were hanging out in Greenwich Village. Yeah. So uh, okay, this is kind of where it was like a mecca for for musicians and stuff. Uh, so anyway, this just sort of covers those particular albums that were kind of made um, out of that neighborhood. And the artists that would sort of run in that circle, you know. So anyway, um, this documentary was hosted by Jacob Dylan, as in Bob Dylan's son. As in the Wallflowers, right? Exactly, as in the lead singer for the Wallflowers. So he put together a concert and an album to sort of be a companion to to this documentary, where he and musicians like Beck. And Fiona Apple, Cat Power, Regina Spector, Nora Jones. Eric Clapton, dude. Right. They all contributed to this record and showed up on the showed up on the record or, or, or played live with him when he did this this show. So anyway dude, Josh Josh Homme's on here too, dog. Really? Well he didn't <laughs> yeah. show up on the documentary. Well, he's he's on one of the he he sings uh, there's a song called She on this album. It's Jake, Jacob Dylan and Josh Homme. There you go. I kind of wish they had featured him in the documentary. But anyway, um, so there's one song in particular. It was a a cover of a Mamas and the Papas song called Go Where You Want to Go. And this is Jacob Dylan and Jade Castrinos, who was in a band called Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Uh, so anyway, let's give it a listen to it. Yeah, like I said, this is a, uh, a Mamas and the Papas cover. You want to do with whoever you want to do it. You don't 
and there's some pipes on that girl, dude. Yeah, that's that's kind of one wow. of the one of the things I really liked about it. Um, Oof. You got to watch the documentary, man. Um, it's it's just a really cool look at that that era and like how this particular neighborhood sort of spawned all of these these albums like mamas and papas uh that song that that uh, that they're covering there is off of their debut album so yeah they wrote cool. their debut album around that time and you know in in and around that neighborhood you know hanging out with the you know famously we've talked about how david crosby and, and mama cats would um essentially you know partake in partake drugs. In, is that in, where we're going uh, with there just stuff like that yeah, i'm still i'm still really pissed off at at fucking Dude, Crosby. It was the sixties, man. That's what they were doing. Uh, you know what though? Come on. Anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah. You know what? And okay, uh so I'm I'm a big fan of Bob Dylan. And it's one of those things I've I've learned about about uh how people feel about Dylan. You either love him or you hate him, and it all comes down to his voice. Yeah. And the only reason I bring that up Maybe Jacob being his son and all, you know, like took some influence from, from, from Bob's, like the way he sings. Jacob's voice is just so much better than his dad's. Oh my God. Yeah. That's something like, I, it, it does sound like Bob Dylan. He, he's got it, about some, some of Bob Dylan's like cadences. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Uh, he's got a he's got a great voice, man. Really, uh, man. Uh, I love the Wallflowers, dude. That that what's that one song that always that you always think about when you think of the Wallflowers? <sighs> I can't think of it right now, dude. What the, their like, their one song? Yeah, let me look it up. If you can think, of, unless you can think of it off the top of your head. No, it's uh, uh, one one headlight. One headlight, dude. Yeah. I love that song, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a great. He's got such a great. You know, he's got some like some depth to his voice, if that makes sense. Like he's got some soulful. He's got some Bob Dylan vibes, dude. But it's not like you know as tortured and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Bob Dylan fan, but his voice isn't great. You know, it's not great at all. It's shitty. It is. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's also you know. He was. It was more about his lyrics, right? I mean, and more about like it was, the stories yes. he was telling and all that good totally, stuff. Totally, totally. Thank you. At least you. Um, thank you for saying that because. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Thank you because there's a lot of people that just don't understand how you could how you could like Bob Dylan at all. Yeah. It's like, well, it's it's, it's about the storytelling. Like that's that's you know just you got to get past his voice. I mean, yeah, that's all it is. That's all there is to it. You know, he was a great songwriter. There we go. All right. So, anyway, I just, I, I, you know, I really like that uh, it's Bob Dylan's son, you know. And, and the thing is, he's he's interviewing all of these musicians. So, he, he interviews David Crosby. He interviews Michelle Phillips of Mamas and the Papas. He interviews um, Tom Petty. So, this was made before Tom Petty died, obviously. He interviews, uh, what's his name, from the Beach Boys? Fucking Brian Wilson? Dude. Yeah, he interviews Brian Wilson. So, anyway... Uh, cool. I'll check it out for you, sure, man. Definitely watch it. It's a great documentary. Um, you get to see Beck, you know, do a cover with with Dylan and Regina Spector. It's just really cool. Again, so that documentary is called Echo in the Canyon. It's on Netflix. You can probably find it elsewhere, but go check it out. Cool. What you got, Q? 
All right, so um, this is a band called Squid. Ever heard of them? I have not. So this is a five-piece. They hail from London. They're under the post-punk category. But as soon as I heard this song, dude, I got like these heavy B-52 vibes. I think you're going to really like this song, dude. Okay. Um, I, I I feel like they've got like some LCD sound system vibes as well. Um, I don't know much about them, but the only thing they have so far is singles. So like they're brand new. Like you know they don't have any uh, full length album yet. Um, and I'm just gonna let the music play for itself. This is a song by Squid called "The Cleaner." Yeah, dude, I liked it. So I was trying to keep track of all the different like sounds or like influences that I heard there. Boingo, boingo. Whoa. Okay. Modest Mouse. Yeah. At least the vocals. Talking Heads a little bit. I was hoping you were going to say yeah. that, dude, because I'm not as big a Talking Heads fan as you, but yeah, I was, I was getting those vibes as well. I was getting... The reason I said Oingo, boingo is it kind of reminded me of, you know weird science a little bit 
Yeah, dude, they're definitely pulling from the they're pulling from the eighties. When I found out that this was a brand new fucking song, it blew my mind when I heard it. Yeah, it's um, good. I liked it. Yeah, it's good. It's cool. Like it's one of those bands. Like, man, I gotta see them live. Like, uh, I bet they put on a show. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good mashup of. Of a, like I was saying, kind of a buff, bunch of different influences there. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what else they got for us because, like I said, like they've they've only released like a handful of singles. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a band called Squid, and that was a song called The Cleaner. So that's it, man. That's all I got for today. We're gonna bring another beloved indie band to you next week for a full length. Who would that be, Q? I'm not going to spill beans, dude. Come on. But let's just say that there's a song on this album that was part of a, a movie soundtrack. A couple other songs were heavily featured yeah. in a very well-known indie film. Yeah. That, uh, basically, they, in, in the film, the character references the, the song. Like, it's not that it was just in the movie like, as a soundtrack. Like, she mentions the name of the band in the movie and says the song's going to change your life and i feel like i just gave it away but whatever well that's the thing man it's like you you know if you have an idea of what we're talking about the director slash screenplay writer slash one of the stars of the film like his music is all over i almost feel like he made a mix cd and then it's like hey you know what? i'm gonna put all these songs in, in my movie yeah. Anyways, but um, man, I'm so excited to to play some tunes from this record. Um, it's a it's a great record, man. It's got a lot of great. Yeah. Uh, it really does capture that that uh, that indie sound. Like like when you think about the term indie music and how broad it is now, you know, and how it, yeah. it really is hard to nail down a certain sound. I feel like there's there are a couple albums that to me like encap encapsulates the indie music sound and that's one of them oh yeah dude and we'll get into all this and you know what i i wonder if when we when we do this and like purposely not mention the band and just continue to talk about them like do people hate it are they like god just fucking tell me what band you're talking about dude we gave lots of we gave lots of clues here yeah you're right lots of clues. uh so we're gonna we're gonna close this out with another song from neva de nova's 2005 release the hate yourself change and that's it for today as always check us out on the pantheon podcast network go to pantheonpodcast.com there you'll find all of the awesome podcasts that are in our network it's all music podcasts that that's what i love about being part of this network dude um we're just surrounded by a bunch of music nerds just like ourselves you are sure to find another uh, podcast within this network that you will love um hop onto our website nofillerpodcast.com there you can see the, our track lists all the songs we covered uh, we've got links to all of our resources and we'll you know we'll throw some music videos and interviews on there as well and that's going to do it for us today uh again we're going to close this out with another neva de nova song this song is called blackest heart and thank you so much as always, for listening, we will shout at you next week. My name's Quentin. And my name is Travis. Y'all take care. You say I 
Diggers, this is an announcement. Episode 18 is on the way. We are in the final polish. All the bodywork, sanding, and the paint has been put on this rocket ship, so we just need that final coat to finish. Coming out of the last few episodes of the Rock and Roll Archaeology podcast that concentrated on specific geographies like London, LA, San Francisco, and New York, we are now in the home stretch of our time in the 1960s. And so with this one, it's not about a place on a map, but a year in the life. It's called Episode 18, 1969, and it's a year so big in rock and roll, it'll take two episodes to tell the full tale. Part one will cover mostly the first half of the year. We'll spend most of our time in the UK checking in with the Beatles as they are beginning to fray internally while friends and competitors, the Rolling Stones, are about to become the greatest rock and roll band in the world. Of course, the Fab Four are still able to be the Beatles, so therefore they are not going down without a fight and the Glimmer Twins must make a sacrifice to achieve the greatness of that 68-73 to 73 run of Peak Stones. Then we go beyond England and America and venture into outer space where we dissect the moonshot and how it affected society and the arts. So, like the sci-fi that surrounds the very real human endeavor, we will peek into the future ourselves with some rock and rollers that will really take us into the next decade so hold tight it won't be long now it's coming and we think you will all be pleased episode 18 1969 part one tell a friend it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.